Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Three on the way. Yes. Paul George nails it. Lou Williams for the win. Yo, yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Clip and Raw. I'm your host, Justin Russo, and joining me after being on what I assume was a very nice Hawaiian vacation for about a month or so. Farbad Nesashari. Farbad, what you been up to, man? How you been? How you been? What you been doing? What you been up to? <laughs> I had a really like messed up joke and I was like, I don't think I should say it. Uh, hello, I am alive. What have I been doing? I've traveled everywhere the last five months from Chicago to San Francisco to San Francisco to Vegas, like wedding season, four weddings in a month. And now I'm fat. And here we are. Wow, you sound so thrilled to be back. I'm I'm actually just thrilled to give my hot take, which I know is going to piss you off. That's what I'm thrilled about. It's going to piss me off? Yeah, it's going to piss you off. I'm a- I kind of want you to drop it now, but like at the end of the day, we need to save that for the end. Because I don't want to start arguing. You it's going to piss you off. So this is like I'm a hot take specifically. smiling for- as I'm saying this. But- okay, so this is a hot take specifically designed just for me. No, but it's. I just know it'll piss you off. That's all. What happens if it doesn't piss me off? Eh. Like, are you that confident that'll piss me off? Then I'll make a burner account and say I'm a Laker fan and get in your DMs and piss you off. Okay. <laughs> you know, all right. That won't be any different than what happens normally. So, yeah. you know. Um, all right. So we're here to talk about preseason because guess what, folks? Preseason's here. If you're listening to this on the day that it dropped, it's Monday, October 4th, and guess what? The Clippers have a preseason game tonight. Back at Staples Center for the first time in what feels like forever, but was really like three months, kind of, I guess. What, what, what was it, like the July, end of June, something? Yeah, it was the end of June. It was like right around my birthday. Oh, yeah, like June 30th, I think is when it was. See, I don't know dates anymore because last season mentally broke me from an exhaustion standpoint. So, like, the time that we've had off has been absolutely fantastic because I've been able to somewhat recalibrate and also get, start to get stressed about the season again. Well, the Clippers just had media week. The last time we talked to you, uh, Tomer was with me and we talked about all the various things that had happened. And, you know, there was going to be a groundbreaking process or ceremony, not process, groundbreaking ceremony. And there was, it was a, it was a cool ceremony, I guess. And, you know, we got to talk to Jerry West. We got to talk to Steve Ballmer. I'm losing my voice right now. I don't know why. So that was cool. Um, but since then, not much, has, not much has really happened, except for the fact they just started training camp. And training camp went down to San Diego. Uh, Farbod, you were there for a couple days. Uh, several reporters were as well. They still do stuff on Zoom. Um, it was an interesting situation because I've noticed they're not taking as many Zoom questions this year, which is totally fine if people are in person. He took like nothing. Yeah, they, like they really one. did. Like one per session. If that. Yeah. They they actually said they're not going to do Zoom at all for practices this season or shoot arounds. Uh it's only going to be for game days. Oh, it's cuz practice is in person now, huh? Yeah, so like today there's a practice, but there was no Zoom, so we'll we'll never know what what came out unless the reporters there. It's like we're useful now again. Well, Tomer did report that some of the players that are not going to be playing in the preseason opener. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I saw that. Okay. The, the older guys. 
Yeah, so the guys who are not going to be playing are Paul George, Nicholas Batum, and Marcus Morris. They're not going to play in the preseason opener. They're just going to be sat. That's totally fine. Nothing wrong with that. It's Remember great because the, the Clippers lost in preseason last year and everybody was losing their minds, including Ralph Lawler. And and they were like, oh, my God, they lost to the Lakers B team squad. They're doomed. And then they went further than they've ever gone in franchise history. Remember that? Time? Well, I don't know. I don't know if you remember the year that they first got Kawhi and PG. So two years ago, do you remember that preseason? Because they lost all three games to NBA teams. And the only two games they won were against Shanghai and Melbourne. Isn't that when they played? I thought they played the Jewish team or something that time too. Um, uh, no, that was the year before. Oh, okay. I, I remember that game just because it wasn't on TV. And so there was like, no way of knowing it existed unless a reporter said something about it. So two years ago, their game against Melbourne was not televised. It was the only preseason game not televised. And I actually went to that game just so that I could physically see every game for the team that year. Yeah, it's. I mean, preseason really doesn't matter that much. Pre preseason really does not matter whatsoever, except for I guess position battles and roster crunch battles, and you know we're gonna get into that in a minute. Um, as far as preseason is concerned, though, you have to start with training camp because training camp leads into preseason. Was there anything that really stood out to you based on what coaches and players said from you know training camp? Because there was a couple things that I went like, oh okay, but like there wasn't much that really piqued my interest. No, it was pretty mellow training camp. I think the things that stood out the most were, one, Marcus Morris, I guess, multi, you know, multiple people are saying he's pulling them aside and he's the most genuine player on the team. So, like, his leadership is standing out. Two, they said Paul George and Reggie Jackson are being the most vocal communicators. So you you kind of get a glimpse of who who is going to be the leader, who is going to be the voice now that there's no Patrick Beverly, Patrick Patterson, Kawhi Leonard. Um, Three, Terrence Mann's confidence. There's a lot of people talking about T-Mann's confidence. And four, Brandon Boston Jr. said he could score on anyone one-on-one. He said, quote, I'm a bucket. Yeah, when I, when I said that to Ty, his face lit up, and he's like, oh, yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like, the leadership thing's interesting, but particularly from the Reggie Jackson standpoint, because, like, 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 think about it. Literally a year ago... Clipper fans were pissed when the Clippers decided to bring him back. I remember. And I thought it was a fine move. We both were like, oh, yeah, it's fine. It makes sense. And then it was just a move. Yeah. Like it was just like you needed another guy. And now jump forward, not even a full year later, because they re-signed or they signed him back, I think early December, like right before the season, this past season. So we're not even a full year removed from that. We're basically just 10 months. And now we're talking about him as being one of the vocal leaders on the team. It's, it's a wild turnaround. Well, it's just, it's weird because I kind of wish I covered him before because it just, it seemed like a lot of people had negative things to say about him in like Detroit or Oklahoma, but like, Everything I've seen from the Clippers, even when he wasn't as good in his first year, like the dude is like an angel and he's clearly the nicest guy on the team. So it's like, I I'm just want to see what, like what the issue was back then. So Duncan Smith, who covers the Pistons for hoops habit, um, basically whenever I post like a Reggie Jackson quote or how much people like Reggie Jackson, 
he's like, wow, I guess he wasn't the problem in Detroit. Like, I guess Reggie was always this nice guy, but like the fan perception of him was like entirely different. So, so I don't know. I, I don't know. I didn't know what Reggie Jackson was like before he got to the Clippers, but the Reggie Jackson that's been on the Clippers has been an absolute godsend of a person, like just a fantastic human being, a great mindset. He's just, he's just an interesting guy. Yeah, I, I can't. He's very unhateable when you hear him talk. Yeah, he really is. By the way, uh, shout out to Tomer because Tomer, if you're listening, I appreciate you asking Reggie about big government. That I, that was that was that was actually very funny. So uh, I think I was in my car. That was the first day, right? Uh, yeah, I believe uh, that so. was in my car. I was watching James Bond. You've already seen the new movie. Yes. Okay. It's don't not embargoed either, so I can say things. No, no, don't tell me anything about it. I, I want to go in say, with it. I think you'll like it. Uh, okay. Well, I, I mean, it's James Bond. I usually like James Bond, so. Um, by the way, I need to re- go through an entire Daniel Craig James Bond rewatch. Like, that's been my thing that I need to do. Yeah, but, I had uh, Wikipedia Spectre before I went. Yeah, I think I've only watched Spectre the one time in the theater, and that was it. It's very important in this movie. Okay. All right, so, so yeah, so I need to go through the rewatch then. Yeah. Um, but going back to Reggie, it was it was interesting to hear Tomer, or not interesting, it was funny to hear Tomer bring up big government and then Reggie talk about how his brother had to like fill a bit on it. And it's kind of like, surprising oh. we never asked him about it before. I was like, how did we wait well, this long for anyone to ask him? Well, that's not true. I mean, Miriam asked him about it before and he gave like an answer like, oh yeah, I'd seen it kind of and stuff. But like his answer that he gave Tomer was vastly different. I've been wanting to ask him twice now when I didn't get a chance on the calls. Um, how did him and Paul George like celebrate when he resigned? Because they both like put these like, you know, things on Instagram saying like this was their mood and it was like them dancing. So I'm just like, did they do something as best friends to celebrate? Did they did they go somewhere? Like, I'm very curious if they did something. There's no way our guys can be that boring all the time to not at least not celebrate a resigning. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what they did. Maybe they shut down a club just to themselves for the weekend. I don't know. I mean, you got to follow COVID protocols somehow. And not not for NBA players. Yeah, not for, not for them because, yeah. Anyway, I don't want to get into that. Anyways. um, Oh, speaking of COVID, NBA players, and the Clippers, we should talk about this because when Steve Ballmer was asked about it on that Monday, the start of – uh, like the training camp thing or the media day thing on Monday, he was asked explicitly uh, about the team's vaccination status. And he said he didn't want to talk about it. You know, and Lawrence Franken mentioned before the previous Friday that he didn't want to talk about the team's vaccination status either. So the prevailing thought was, okay, some players on the team are not vaccinated. And then we find out through Ty Lu two days later. So, so this past Wednesday, I believe that they are in fact fully vaccinated, which I'm not going to lie is a relief, you know? Yeah. Well, the way Ty said it was interesting though. He said, all the guys we need are fully vaccinated. Can't wait to find out which guy they don't need that is gone. Yeah. That was the thing that he said. He didn't like straight up just say yes. Well, no, he did. He did. Cause Andrew asked him, I believe it was Andrew who asked him, after Ty gave the initial answer, so all so the guys are fully vaccinated. Or no, he said, so the team is fully vaxxed. And Ty said yes. 
Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Feel like you know something here? No, nah, I know nothing. All right, thank you, John Snow. We're getting started with preseason now. Starts tonight. You know, um, what are the things that you are looking for out of the team in preseason? Whether that be things that they show, players, what have you. Uh, probably how Justice Winslow handles point guard and center. I, w- I want to see how that goes. I want to see Terrence Mann's shooting and passing. Um, I do want to see the young guys just see what they're capable of, too, against other NBA players. And then I know the one you're looking forward to is the uh, the third string center battle. Uh, yeah, so we'll start with Winslow first, because... Ty mentioned this this week that Justice has been playing backup point guard at times, which is actually something I like because he is that versatile of a guy. He did it in Miami. You know, he has that ability. He can play wing. But then Ty mentioned something that I've been wondering about, and I do think this is something that can be done in small ball lineups, obviously, is he mentioned Justice playing center. And I think that is something that's very interesting because it allows you to have more spacing but also allows him to attack downhill to the rim. And there was something that caught my eye early in the training camp videos. So you know how the Clippers put out those little training camp videos, like the little like minute long things like every day. Yeah. The one thing that did catch my eye was they were already running Reggie Jackson, Eric Bledsoe, small, small pick and rolls like on day one. And I'm sitting there going, if you're running this literally on day one, I can't wait to see what else you have in store because that was something they didn't break out until like the middle of last season, like fully break out until the middle of last season. Yeah. I think it's just, I mean, I don't know what my expectations are at all for, for anything this season. I I can easily see this season, like with how rough their schedule is, they're going to have a lot of random games drop to the Orlando magic or the Toronto Raptors, you know, on like the fifth game and seventh nights. And it's like games that they should win, but they're just going to be too tired. So like, it's going to be tough to have any expectations into the season with both the combination of the injuries and the schedule. So when I look at the preseason, it's almost kind of the same thing where it's like, I'm just looking to see if guys are getting better and if they're competing at this point. Yeah. Cause just so people are aware in preseason, the results don't matter here. Like seriously, do not freak out about preseason results. Like there's literally no reason to preseason's about process. And, and to a degree, I mean, to a degree, a lot of the regular season does and doesn't matter. Right. Like during the regular season, um, you know, you could see teams like, for instance, uh, the Miami heat, were one of like the worst clutch teams two years ago. They end up getting to the finals. It didn't even matter how bad they were in the clutch. Uh, the Clippers lose to the Mavs by 50 and then beat them in the playoffs. It's the, I mean, there's things that carry into the, from the regular season in the playoffs, like two years ago, what carried into the regular season for the Clippers was how many times they blew leads. Uh, two years ago, they were blowing leads all the time in the regular season, and then they, they did in the playoffs. So some things matter and some things don't, but the preseason really doesn't matter. 
I just think because the play, like the the preseason or not the preseason, but the regular season to some degree. I, this sounds kind of, I guess, mean to say, is somewhat of an extension of preseason where it's like you're trying to figure out roles for guys and you're trying to get the process drilled down so that when you get to the postseason, everything is seamless. And the preseason, to a far lesser degree, is that, but for the regular season. So it's like this build up to the postseason, and it starts in the preseason where you're trying to like drill everything down, get the process right, fine tune some things, carry that to the regular season. Regular season does the same thing to a greater degree into the postseason. Like process matters a lot. And that's why last season, despite some of the losses the Clippers had, you saw that the process was still good. So remember that for preseason as you watch is, yes, they might lose some preseason games. Who really cares? Were they drilling down? And I keep saying drilling down. Were they doing the things necessary that you could see growth and building towards some type of continuity and success in the regular season without Kawhi Leonard for however, for however long he's out. Um, but that leads us to the battle that I do want to talk about, which you did briefly mention, which is the Isaiah Hartenstein and Harry Giles third center battle, which I do find fascinating. I really do find it fascinating because they're both very good passers. Hartenstein's probably a slightly better passer. Um, it's interesting because Harry Giles has the legitimate talent, former top two or three high school recruit in the nation, went through injuries at Duke, played at Duke with Luke Kennard. Um, There is tangible talent there. But Isaiah Hartenstein also has talent. He played overseas. He was good in his time so far in the NBA. He's made impacts. Um, I think personally Hartenstein is probably the better of the two players as of right now. But it also begs the question, what will be better for the Clippers this upcoming season? A guy like Hartenstein or a guy like Giles? And this preseason is going to be very fascinating to watch from that standpoint because one of them probably and most likely, you know, in all likelihood is not making the team. And whichever one doesn't make the team, it might not be because they didn't look good in preseason. It might be because the other guy was a little bit better. I mean, I think you're probably going to be more excited about the third string center battle than anyone, like, than anyone besides them. I think we can officially go on record and say you will be the most excited about anyone watching the game. I mean, like, I find that stuff fun. Like, you have to you have to search for things in preseason that kind of, you know, take your interest. And that third center battle really does because that's for a tangible roster spot. It's probably, it could be the second center. Like it could be the backup center when regular season starts, depending on Serge Ibaka, who is practicing, but is not really going through contact drills right now. So there's a chance that when they break preseason and they get to the regular season, you know, I wouldn't Isaiah be surprised Hart- if Serge doesn't play in the beginning of the season. I wouldn't be surprised either. So I, in fact, yeah. I, I, I kind of doubt it. In fact, I mean, do you think both of these, I mean, for fans that may not know either thing about, either of these guys, do you think both of them will be an upgrade over DeMarcus Cousins? Yes. Yes. Now, here's the thing. Hartenstein and Giles are not pure scorers. DeMarcus Cousins, you could throw him the ball in the low block, and he was a scorer. He would, he would, most times he would get you points, whether he's fouled, whether he's you know doing a post move, whatever. I understand why fans love DeMarcus. DeMarcus was an amazing person to talk to from a quote standpoint. Like I, I like talking to DeMarcus. 
the quotes he gave defending Paul George was fantastic. However, I do feel like a guy like Harry Giles, I do feel like a guy like Isaiah Hartenstein, they are probably the better options at this point of their careers. They're younger, they're more athletic, they're better defensively. You know, like I th- I think that matters with this team. For those fans that may be sad about DeMarcus Cousins leaving, what do you say to them? I understand it. Like, I understand. And I do know some fans, like, personally, that are not thrilled that DeMarcus isn't back. Like, I completely understand. Um, and it's fine to feel that way. Like, it's it's okay to feel that way. It's just, for this team, for this upcoming season, I do think that Giles and or Hartenstein are the better options. Um, it just is what it is. And they can't carry both. It will just be one. Um, they're presently at 14 guaranteed contracts. Harry Giles has a non-guaranteed deal. Isaiah Hartenstein is basically just a camp invite on a non-guaranteed deal as well. So one of the, and, and, and don't forget Amir Coffee. Amir Coffee could get that 15th roster spot as well. That's been talked about. It's going to be a very interesting time for the Clippers in preseason because it's not just we need to figure out who that 15th guy is. It's we need to figure out who that 15th guy is that can help mitigate some of the center minutes if Serge is not ready to play right away. Do you have a do you have a way too early and meaningless prediction on the record that they're going to get in preseason? Uh, like two and two, maybe, maybe one and three, maybe only. Four. I don't know. Pre- like projecting preseason records is so weird, man. Like it's, it's very hard. <laughs> it's very hard. Okay, so they're home against Denver. They're home against Sacramento. They're on the road in Dallas, and they're in Ontario. Technically, a home game against Minnesota. Um, like one and three. I'll go one and three. I'll say they beat Denver, lose to Sacramento, beat Dallas, lose to Minnesota. I don't see the weird part is they have like 10 days off between their preseason finale and the start of the regular season. Is that a lot? That's a ton. Oh yeah, that is a ton. It's usually for, like for, three or four day games. Four well, for days, instance, sorry. well, here's the fun part. They're playing four preseason games, right? Yeah. Have Have you looked to see how many of the Lakers are playing? No, I haven't looked at that much of their stuff. I, I literally just clicked it. Cause I was curious. Cause same city. And they start on Sunday today. We're recording this on Sunday. You're hearing it Monday. So technically tomorrow they started. Um, the Lakers play six preseason games. Their last preseason game is the 14th. Is that good or bad for them? I, I don't It's I don't think it's either. I just think it's a thing. Like their last preseason game comes three days after the Clippers. But like, would they want more preseason games as an older team? Or would they want more preseason games because they're so new? From every standpoint. I don't know. It's so weird how everything's different for every team. For instance, Golden State, they play five preseason games. Their last preseason game is Friday, October 15th. So they play even later than either of those teams do. Basketball scheduling is weird. Miami plays six and two of those. This is crazy. Miami plays six preseason games and they have two back-to-backs. How do you get back-to-backs in preseason, man? NBA scheduling has just gotten worse and worse, in my opinion. The Clippers can vouch for that. Um, 
The Nets and Hawks only play four preseason games, but their final preseason games comes on come on the 14th. I think the Clippers end preseason before anybody else, so they get like the most time off before the regular season. Maybe that's their justification for giving them one of the worst schedules in the regular season. But here's the thing. They gave them the regular season schedule before preseason was finalized. So you're saying they just don't like them? I don't know. He's saying they just know they knew you were covering this team. They wanted you to be unhappy. So they said, we need to make sure this is how deep the conspiracy goes. We need to make sure that we give them the hardest schedule possible. And then also microchip every single game. Cause that's part of the conspiracy. 5g 5g baby. One of the other things that was talked about in, in training camp beyond the third, beyond I'm, 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 I've talked enough about Hartenstein and Giles that I don't need to keep talking about it. Like I'm just thrilled for that. So I hope everybody is, but Ty Lue did talk about Luke Kennard, um, which whether or not we want to discuss this part of it, he's starting the first year of his contract extension. So that is something that plays a, a factor in the talk about Kennard this season. Last season, fans, you know, at times got really down on him because, oh, he just signed this contract extension and he's, you know, he's not in the rotation as much as his, you know, as his salary probably says. Well, he didn't start the contract extension last year. It starts this year. He's making $12.7 million this year, 13.7 next year, 14.7 the year after, 14.7 the year after that. But that's, that's a team option. So essentially it's a three-year deal. and. He's starting it now. This is going to be the season that starts the judgment on whether or not the contract extension was worth it. And it should be a bigger role for him by far than last year was. Because last year, he begins the season, you remember this far, Bob? He's in a bench lineup with two other guards and Reggie Jackson and and, uh, Lou Williams. And for the first 10 games, it was god-awful. And then Reggie gets benched and they try something else. And then they, they, they yo-yo Luke around because they're trying to figure things like they were figuring things out all season. And the fact that they made the conference finals is a testament to what they found out by trying things during the regular season. And Luke Kennard was part of that because he was good in the postseason when he played. So what we see out of Luke this season is going to be massively important. And it starts in the preseason with what is his role in preseason? Cause we've heard, Ty the other day talk about when we're running in transition, we have to find him when we're in our offense. We have to find him when he's open. They've put in split cuts for him. They put in split action. They've put in, they have specific play calls. Ty said specifically designed for Luke Kennard now. So this is the season for Luke and he needs to show it. And I don't mean to say that in like a way of like, he didn't show it last year, but like, this is the year now, start of the contract extension. You got to start showing it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I can't say it any better myself. It's everyone who was being judgmental before, like now is the time to be judgmental. There's there's nothing else to say other than like now is when you have to pay more attention. Yeah, and and don't do the thing where it's like, oh, he had a bad game, so obviously this was not worth it. Well, no, it's just guys have bad games, you know? So you got to judge it like... Don't judge him the first five to ten games. It should come much judge him the further. first two. Okay. There we go. See, we're settled. We settled on it now. But judge like start start 
understanding it and judging it like when you get to like the midway point of the season and then it's like okay this is his role now this is what they're asking him to do and even that could change based on last season you know the one thing though for this team is i personally think they're only going to go as far as Kawhi leonard and paul george's health is going to take them so like if Kawhi never comes back this season like how much of this really really matters it'll it'll be you should have no expectations in that regard. I think this should be a season of, you know, hoping for the best, but expecting the worst. And, you know, take that into account, even with Kawhi's injury, like I I put out there that he's ahead of schedule, which uh, has become like almost like a really poorly kept secret at this point. I mean, very poorly. <laughs> yeah, like three to four people have told me about it now. And like on the highest authority, pretty much. But it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, I'm not going to touch it until somebody starts, you know, blowing it open because injuries are so far away that you don't want to report ever about an injury that's that far away because like anything could happen. Like he could, he could get a setback. They could be so bad. It doesn't even matter if he comes back. Like, you never want to touch on an injury, first of all, until like it, unless it's very, very concrete. But second of all, you'd never want to touch an injury that far away. But in this particular instance, it was just such a poorly kept secret. It really was like a matter of time before we were a couple weeks out from like a Chris Haynes, you know, report about it. And even with that injury, mind you, he could be ahead of schedule, but that does not mean he's going to play. Like everyone on the team is hopeful that he could play or kind of verbalizing to each other about how like oh if Kawhi comes back or when he comes back but again like the Clippers will shut him down at for any reason they can think of like they will be looking for more reasons to shut him down than they are for reasons for him to come back yeah and so here's here's the fascinating juxtaposition like in terms of the, like, how am I trying to word this? There's a fascinating factor at play here with Kawhi Leonard's injury is the Clippers don't have their first round pick this year. It goes to Oklahoma city. So Kawhi coming back or not coming back could is not even could will play a factor in what happens with that pick. Like if the Clippers are teetering on the edge of a play in spot, and Kawhi comes back and all of a sudden they're the sixth seed or the fifth seed. Well, obviously that pick, which could have been in the lottery for Oklahoma city is now well outside of it. And if he doesn't come back and the Clippers struggle without him as they might, they might struggle without him. You never know. You know, I mean, maybe Paul, like I'm not putting this in the universe, but like, you know, injuries happen to players even beyond, you know, Kawhi's injuries. So there's a chance the Clippers are bad this year. There's also a chance that they're perfectly fine and good. And then Kawhi comes back and they're really good. But that pick is not in their possession. So the Kawhi lettered, is he or is he not coming back? Storyline will play into that. Like they're, they're connected now. Yeah. It's, it's just one of those things where you're going to have to wait to like post all-star break to get anything really concrete about it. The only thing that is concrete is that like he's, he's killing it in the rehab and he's doing a great job as of right now. But again, like anything can happen between now and, you know, post all-star break. 
Yeah, like at this point, who knows, man? Who really knows? Um, last thing that we're going to talk about actually is the Terrence Man leap. I have it written down here as the Terrence Man leap question mark because all the stuff out of training camp has been how great Terrence Man looks, right? Mm-hmm. And his confidence. And his confidence. So that begs the question, Farbod. Do we get the next Terrence Man leap? He made a leap in the postseason. I do believe that's like that's not really debatable. He made the leap in the postseason. Do we get another Terrence Man leap this season? Uh, if he starts, I think Ty will probably have to adjust the lineups a bit, and I mean we'll see how long you know Bledsoe starts for. But I think if Terrence starts, he could get that leap. By that leap, I mean like fourteen points, fifteen points a game. Yeah, I'm not ex- okay. I guess we should clarify. When when I say a leap, I'm not talking 20. I'm not even talking like 18. Like if he gets like 13 a game, that's a leap. And yeah. is is better defensively and improves his playmaking, which is which is solid now, but improves his playmaking, you know, um his shot actually looks normal. Like he basically he's not just a standstill catch and shoot guy, you know what I mean? So like if you see tangible improvements there, that's the leap I'm talking about. I'm not talking like, oh my God, he's scoring 20 a game. Like, no, I don't really care. I mean, if he scores 20 a game, then that's awesome. But I, I, that's not what I'm looking for. He could score five a game as long as he gets 39 in a closeout game again. Uh, Yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice. That'd be, I'll take that. Would you, you take that, right? A hundred percent, which is still right. one of the, the two craziest things to me that I, that I saw all postseason just absolutely i know what they're gonna be go ahead one is that terrence man 39 point game Uh uh-huh the other is Giannis hitting 17 free throws oh okay i'm sorry i i I thought you were gonna go with the other thing that happened in game six which was jordan clarkson pouring in like 21 straight well that was crazy but like i mean you could expect jordan clarkson to get like a flamethrower moment no one expected terrence man to get a flamethrower moment and also I mean, no one would have bet their house that Giannis was going to hit 17 out of 19 free throws. Like, that's the craziest thing. Like, that's the difference you, between winning and losing. You know what the funniest part about that Giannis free throw performance, or even that his game six performance in general was? What? The day before that, there was the article from like with the quotes from Chris Paul, where Chris said, yeah, we want him to live at the line because we know he can't really make free throws. Well, that's and then literally, then literally... Game six, this man wasn't missing. Yeah, because Chris is cursed. <laughs> like at this at this point, I fully believe he is. He took the Clipper curse. Bless him, bless him for doing his his work that he does. Um, but yeah, preseason's upon us. Unsure what to expect. Uh, ex- oh, expect the young guys to play a lot, obviously, in preseason. So we're going to see Brandon Boston. We're going to see Terrence Mann. Although Terrence really isn't young. I know he's young by NBA years, but he's not really that young. Uh, Keon, you know, they were running Keon as point guard in some in some of the training camp stuff, which I thought was interesting. That's that's pretty intriguing. He seems like a very shy guy. He does, but that's fine. Reminds me he's a little like bit of Kawhi. He really is like Kawhi. Of Brandon Boston. He's really like Kawhi. Keon said he, he, he loves Kawhi's game, and then... He has his mannerisms too. Brandon's Brandon's ready to ball out and talk trash, and Keon just seems very quiet. Keon's just there for the work. Brandon's there to tell everyone about it. Yeah, 
Um, oh, I guess I should mention there is uh, some bad news with the Clippers, which is Jason Preston will not be playing in preseason. Most likely his foot. The last that we saw it was in a cast. Um, it was like, oh, I thought it was a cast. It's like, it was like, a, I don't know. They said it wasn't a cast. And I asked them, I, I saw it. That's, that's like one of those it's, soft casts. Yeah. It was like a sock. Like, I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. That is, don't, don't, it's like, I look at a cast. Don't tell me that's not a cast. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he has a foot issue. Time actually talked about it. Uh, God, what day was that? Was that Monday? Tuesday? No, that was, that was like a couple days earlier, I guess. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Anyways, he's out for a little while with a foot issue. Uh, that's actually sad and disappointing because I, w- I was intrigued to see him uh, get, get some run in preseason. He also seemed to be the most excited to be a Clipper out of all of them, too. Yes, uh, especially because of how hard that man has worked to get to where he is. Um, Eric Bledsoe. I want to talk about him for a minute and then we'll go. That is a carefree guy, is it not? Yeah. He's carefree and his answers are very just like they're just kind of chill. Like I tried to I tried to pry and be like, yo, like what are you most excited about to come here? And he just was like It's a lie. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> I like LA. And I'm like, all right, like is it the food, is it the people? Like, I got nothing. He uh that quote that he gave yesterday was very wild if i'm being honest which quote they didn't talk oh you mean oh god i got it oh two oh yeah sorry uh two days ago was it yesterday or two days ago i thought it was yesterday no well i mean it depends on when this is dropping but yeah oh uh, i'm sorry uh on saturday the quote they gave on saturday uh eric bledsoe had a quote that said every time you step on the court i think you should play extremely hard i don't think preseason is a thing you just come in Play lackadaisical. Act like you don't care about it. It's an avenue to get better in and where you can learn your teammates too. The part of the quote that was like, okay, was when he said, every time you step on the court, I think you should play extremely hard. Because, buddy, fans in New Orleans would probably disagree with that sentiment. Well, he wants to be here, so. We think. Yes. We think. I want to be here. Yeah. Um, We'll see what happens. We will... We'll see what happens. It's uh, I'm very intrigued though by the Bledsoe Jackson pairing. I think that's very interesting. I mean, uh, I I will almost guarantee you our that starting lineup won't be the starting lineup by the end of the season. Like Ty messes with the starting lineups a lot out of any coach in the league. He does, and I actually appreciate that though. Because remember, Marcus didn't even start at the beginning of last year. Uh, yeah, because, well, he came into the season late because yeah. of injury, and he didn't want to upset the the but chemistry. Still, he didn't, he, they started Batum over him for a while. so it's Yeah, like, for a little while, yeah. And Surge started over Zoo, and it's like, like things will change with this team, for sure, in terms of rotations. I think Zoo is the starter he for is a little starter. bit. Yeah. It, I, I just, I think Ibaka now, it should be the bench role. Yeah, he, he's starting. Yeah, the figures. All right, give me your hot take that you think was going to piss me off. I think Ted Lasso is super overrated. Fuck you. <laughs> I've been watching, I've been binge watching it the last two days, and I finished the first season in a day, and it's like, it's 
heartwarming and addicting and good, but it is not Emmy good and not like this show that everybody's raving. Like I don't laugh at like Shut 90% the fuck of up. the jokes. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> You're done. We're done. You were right. This did piss me off. Actually, I will say, though, in all seriousness, Apple TV has a lot of very good shows. Also, I will say I'm like three episodes into the second season now, and every single one has been pointless, where I'm like, I don't understand why I'm watching the show anymore. There's no drama. There's no anything. They're all like filler episodes. Like, oh, we need a sports psychologist. A lot of people said that to start season two, and now the people that said that to start season two have loved season two. It picks okay. up massively after that. It's like I when I saw that first episode for season two, I was like, that's your first episode? Like, good lord. Like, that's such a bad first episode. So well, it set the tone for the rest of the season, and they're gonna have the season finale next week. So yeah. Go watch Free Guy though. Free Guy's good. I need to make time. I just got out of uh the other day I watched, so it was a Friday. Friday I watched uh the second Venom movie. Oh, is it as dumb, like, fun as it looks? I'm not going to talk about it. Okay, I want to see it. You you know I don't shit talk movies, so. Okay. Just just go see it. Like, I'm it's not a long. Just because I like the Venom IP, so. Do you know how long that movie is? 90 minutes. Yeah. Do you know how long James Bond is? No. Two hours and 47 minutes. I'm going to be there for a while. You're going to be there for a while. <laughs> like I'm actually gonna be there for a while. Oh God! Yeah, but seriously, Apple TV Plus has a lot of very good shows. I don't know if you've watched anything beyond Ted Lasso on there. No, I wanted to watch that show. Was it like Tefron or something? People were telling me to watch that show. Oh, Tehran. Yeah, it's all right. It's based on a on an overseas show. I mean, as a Persian, I have to watch that show. It's the it's the rule. I mean, it, it it wasn't bad. It was, it was, I, I enjoyed it. You're offending all the Persians now, Justin. You got to stop. <laughs> okay, okay. I think people need to understand something about me when it comes to movies and television shows. I enjoy most of the things that I watch unless I outwardly tell you I do not. For instance, I watched La Brea, the season, the, the series premiere of La Brea on NBC, because I was like, oh, this, this could be an interesting premise. The first five minutes of La Brea, Farbad are literally the worst five minutes in the history of television. It's so bad. It was so bad. And guess what? I finished the episode. I don't know what La Brea is. Uh, it's on NBC. It's about like, I, do you want me to tell you? I can, I can, I can nah, find okay. out. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to waste brain cells trying to explain it. Anyways, we will be back uh, in a couple days. I don't, I mean, I don't know what your schedule's like. We'll hash something out. But we do need to talk about preseason because it is interesting. Maybe we'll talk on Tuesday. I don't know. So, Farbonio, it's been great to have you back, buddy. Never call me that. That's the worst nickname anybody's ever given me in my life. What do you want your nickname to be? I, I've been called a lot of nicknames, and that was pretty That was pretty bottom tier. <laughs> you know what? I've been called fart in a boat. And like, you know what, man? That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me, though. That your bottom's here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Farbot, say goodbye to the good people. Violence isn't the answer, but sometimes it is. We're back, baby. <laughs>